Denied by some modern historical revisionists, but still in the minds of many Parisians that have called for a monument or memorial of some kind to be erected in his honor, General Dietrich von Koltitz, the Nazi general in charge of Paris when it was retaken by the Allies, is credited with disobeying orders from Adolf Hitler to destroy the City of Light in the waning days of the Second World War, and in a sense, he saved it. At the close of the war, European capitals like London and Berlin were smoking piles of rubble after years of war, but incredibly, the historical treasures of Paris were nearly untouched. The city was largely spared due to its early surrender and the lesser strategic importance it was accorded by Allied commanders. Either way, the city was saved the ravages of war and its urban landscape, then like today, is said to be among the most aesthetically pleasing in the world. But it wasn't always this way. And it's thanks to one man, Baron Georges Eugene Hausmann, feted internationally for transforming the French capital with an audacious program of urban planning. But at home in France, his legacy remains divided over whether the man was truly a master planner or an imperialistic megalomaniac. It was in the mid-19th century when Napoleon III was elected emperor, and by 1853 the population of Paris had grown to over one million, despite regular outbreaks of typhoid and cholera that killed tens of thousands. Under Bonaparte, Hausmann was tasked with creating a new imperial capital that needed light, clean water, and good sanitation. After Napoleon III produced his plans for Paris, Hausmann began one of the most extensive public works programs ever voluntarily carried out in a European city, turning Paris into a vast building site for more than 17 years. Unlike London, that to this day, where monuments such as the Great Fire of 1666 are difficult to see, as the surrounding area is cluttered with buildings, Hausmann cut broad, straight boulevards through some of the densest medieval parts of the city to connect some of the city's most magnificent monuments, such as the Arc de Triomphe and the Place de Concorde, with a straight line of sight. Paris, with all of its undeniable historical beauty, is perhaps one of, if not the most aesthetically magnificent urban areas in the world. But this too can be a problem. Called the peril of preservation, the idea is a familiar one to people living in such cities as San Francisco, London, or anywhere. NIMBYs have a loud voice in issues of urban planning. As far back as 1925, there have been calls for the modernization of Paris. Among the most radical was proposed by architect Charles-Edouard Genere, which was to demolish two square miles of the city center and replace the organic neighborhoods with the huge development. Built as social housing in the 1950s, 60s, and early 70s, that have since been resoundly criticized for sapping the vitality of cities. Thankfully, Genere was not able to get his hands on the city, but it was this large concrete and metal behemoth, the Montparnasse Tower, which might have sealed Paris's fate as a boutique city that has all but priced out the starving artists that once used her as their muse. The tower's simple architecture, large proportions, and monolithic appearance have been often criticized for being out of place in Paris's urban landscape. And as a result, two years after its completion, the construction of buildings over seven stories in the city center was banned. While building was still allowed on the periphery where today the majority of the city skyscrapers can be found. Thus, the problem is this. When it concerns cities that people want to live in, like Paris, if you can't build up, you cannot really add to the existing housing stock because the natural thing to do is build up the center where demand is greatest, not on the edge. 
Thus, what you end up with is small studio apartments in the central part of Paris selling for a million dollars or more and with hotel rooms often costing more than $500 per night. If you want to be in the center of the city, you'll have to pay for it. And people will, because Paris is no Saskatoon. But people have to pay this because the rulers of the city have decided to limit the amount of housing that can be built in the city center. Retention of historic buildings with time-tested utility and aesthetic value offer long-term benefits to Paris, even as the city reinvents itself in other ways, with its Grand Paris Initiative, for example, which has led to 26.5 billion euro rapid transit expansion programs slated to be completed by 2030. However, average people are barred from living in the center of Paris just as surely as if the city fathers put up a gate and said no middle-income people can live here. Does any of this sound familiar to those that have ever lived or visited San Francisco? For a new world city, it is as charming as they come, and also with rigid building codes restricting height and the massive influx of money from Silicon Valley, you have approximately the same situation. But there are few that will even argue that the historical character of San Francisco even approaches that of Paris, and thus the latter might be an extreme case where a city's urban fabric is so precious as to be protected at all costs, even if that means turning the city into a museum that is basically the playground of the rich, which incidentally London and several other European cities are also becoming. For many of the same reasons, but also for others, including the uncontrolled flow of newcomers needing to be housed. However, few of these cities, apart from a handful, lack the same argument that one can make for Paris vis-a-vis -vis restricting development. But where there is a will and a need for liberty, equality, fraternity, there might possibly be a way. Enter the new and emerging parasite architecture. The vast, sprawling metropolises of the world will evolve, including Paris, but into what? Slums aren't a solution, and many cities, like Paris, are already facing massive housing shortages. So, how will these issues be resolved? Possibly via symbiotic apartments, which are an ambitious idea that is taking root from Spain to Thailand. And it is parasite homes that could be the future of affordable housing in Paris. At least that's the hope of developers behind the Three Box project. The idea is that by freeing up more space as the homes are perched atop existing buildings, the developers hope the homes will ultimately sell at 40% less than the area's market price. Looking vaguely like steel and glass reptiles that have scaled the wall to bask in the sun, these new apartments might come as a shock inserted into the historic fabric of Paris, albeit currently in a somewhat humdrum corner of it. But if the officially sponsored developers of the new apartments get their way, this project could be just the beginning. Cities across the world, whether we like it or not, are going to continue to fill in. From Beijing to Vancouver, San Francisco to London, and of course Paris. Maybe with parasite architecture, Paris might be able to juggle the desire to preserve the magnificent atmosphere of the inner city while making living in that city once again affordable to the people that work there and perhaps the odd starving artist looking for inspiration. Maybe parasitic architecture could remove the peril from preservation and breathe new vitality into a city that has, for all intents and purposes, become a museum. What do you think? Leave me your thoughts in the comments section below. And as always, thank you for watching. If you like this kind of material, please consider subscribing. Also, follow Black Pigeon on the usual social media and check out the website, blackpigeonspeaks.com, 
for more interesting information like this.